thankful for your all's generosity, but I, I'm kind of doing my math, and some of you guys are cheating and putting in more than a dollar on Dollar Club, because we don't have that many people. But I'm so thankful for your all's generosity, thankful that we can have a kind of impact and show the love of Christ in really practical ways and bless the communities around us. So thanks for taking part in that. Well, good morning. So glad that you guys have chosen to join us, those that have joined online as well. Uh, thankful that you guys have chosen to prioritize your time with God this morning. We've already met with God through worshiping him with our voices. And now we're going to worship him with our minds as we engage with his word and see how it applies and how we can be obedient to it. But we are in this series called I Don't Get It, where we're tackling some of the topics of the Christian faith that can be a little confusing at times. And it's been a series of diving into some conversations that maybe you wish that you would have but have been afraid to ask these kinds of questions. And this morning, we're going to be talking about God's will. And I think some of us, maybe a lot of us, have come with our own preconceived ideas about what it means to be in God's will. So we're going to tackle that this morning. But before we do, let's pray. God, we thank you. Um, Thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for the opportunities where we can worship you through song, through giving. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your kingdom moving forward through generosity. Uh, And now, God, as we turn our attention and our minds and our hearts to your word, Pray that you would open up your word in a fresh way, that uh, we would encounter the truth of who you are and who you want us to be, and that we can walk out of here changed as a result of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we live in a day and age where we, where we have more options for just about anything than ever before, and so we have more decisions to make than ever before as well. I was reading this week that research says that the average American adult makes 35,000 decisions a day. I mean, we're just overwhelmed with decisions. I, I think we can knock out about 15,000 of those decisions on a trip through Walmart. Okay, you walk down those aisles, and like there's a heavy, 117 different varieties of green beans. Like, which one do I choose? Which is why I love Aldi. You go to Aldi, you have two choices. You want regular cut or you want French style. That's it. And I love Aldi. But it's like that in every area of life. What, where should I go to college? What, what should I major in? What kind of job should I be training for? What, do I want my job to make a difference or do I just want to make a lot of money? And then you get out of college and you're like, should I marry the person that I'm dating? When should we start a family? How many kids should we have? Should we entertain foster adoption? And then later in life, we have these other questions. Should, should, I, should I switch careers? Should, should I take that transfer and uproot my family and move to a different city? Should I start my own business? When should I retire? I mean, we are faced constantly with more and more decisions. We have tons of choices, and we are constantly making decisions, and it's stressful because we have to decide. I was reading this week that the word decide actually comes from the Latin word meaning literally to cut off. And so when you come to a fork in the road and you can choose path A or path B, if you choose path A, then you have cut off B, and you have cut off all the possibilities that that path could have brought into your life. And so it builds all kinds of anxiety in our lives. And we have this fear of making the wrong decision. And we can just get paralyzed in the indecision and all this anxiety in our lives. And then if you have a relationship with God, that gets thrown in the equation as well because you're hoping that you're making the kinds of decisions that he would be pleased with. But also know that there are some of you here this morning and you'd say that you don't even believe in God. But even if that's who you are or how you would describe yourself right now, isn't it true that when you face some kind of major decision in life, that you throw up a little prayer to the God that you don't believe in and you ask for some kind of guidance? God, 
I don't even know that you exist, but can you give me a sign? Can you help me in some way make this decision so I can make the right decision? Regardless of the terms that you might use, I think the majority of us in this room would say, yeah, I want to know God's will for my life, especially when we are at some kind of crossroads or if we're making a hard decision or maybe our lives are falling apart and we're really trying to get dialed in to say, God, how do I get back on track? I want to hear from you. How do I hear your voice? John 10 says that the sheep know the shepherd's voice and they follow it. So how do we get tuned in to the voice of God so we can make the kinds of decisions that lead in the right direction? And I think there's a lot of confusion about God's will. I mean, some people I think sometimes just kind of think of it as almost like this magic eight ball that that we float up our questions to God and look for some kind of sign. Like if it's raining outside, then the answer is yes. But if it's not raining outside, then the answer is no. Or, or maybe you're like me. Have you ever done this? Like if you're in the general area of Spring Hill Bakery, and, and I offer up this prayer to God and say, God, if it's your will that I get a dozen of those delicious hot dogs, would you just open up a parking spot right out in front? And after four times going around the block, it's right there. It's like, it's God's will. I must be having these things. Or, or maybe some people go the opposite direction, like they, they, that God's will is like this hyper-specific plan and that he has this itinerary that you have to find and follow. It's like you're in this corn maze and there's this start and there's a finish, but you're trying to wind your way through and there's only one way out. And we think of God's will as this one specific path that you're supposed to find, that you're supposed to keep searching until you find it. And if you believe in that, then there's this constant fear that that maybe you made a wrong choice in life and that you've completely missed God's will for your life and you live with that kind of fear. And still others think of God's will almost in these fatalistic terms that, that God is sovereign, he's gonna do what he's gonna do, so why should I even bother trying to find it? So I wanna help us get a better grasp on what God's will is and then apply it to our lives. So there's gonna be kind of two parts to this message. The first is gonna be more theological, to give us a proper framework about what Scripture says about God's will. And then we're going to get super practical at the end. I want to give us a grid of questions that we can ask that that can be applied to just about any decision in life. The Bible actually has a lot to say about God's will. And in uh, Paul's letter to the young Colossian church, he he records this prayer to these young believers. It says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. And what have we prayed? We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Of all the things that that Paul could pray for these new baby believers, his prayer wasn't that they would be successful. It wasn't that they would be comfortable, that they wouldn't hit any bumps along the way. It wasn't even that they would always make the right decision. His prayer was that they would know the will of God. And then he goes on and he gives these reasons. There's four things that, that if we know and we're following God's will that we can experience in our lives. He says, so that, if you know God's will, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, and being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. So Paul is saying, when you know the will of God, these are the kinds of things that you will experience in your life. You will have a life that pleases the Lord. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you'd want that. You want to make the kinds of decisions that honor God, that, that please him. 
He says that your life will bear fruit. That means it'll matter that you lived. Your life will impact and influence the, the people around you, that you'll be a part of expanding the kingdom of God, that your life will matter, that you will grow in the knowledge of God. As I walk in God's will, I will have a greater understanding of who he is and his character. You see that the secret to knowing God's will isn't necessarily just diving into scripture. It's actually being obedient to following after what he has given you. And as we do that, as we follow in obedience, he begins to reveal more and more of who he is. He says that we'll be strengthened with endurance and patience. That means that, that we can withstand the ups and the downs of life and we won't get thrown off track when life goes sideways and we won't grow bitter towards God because we'll have this kind of endurance to stay the course and follow after God. A very simple prayer for a new church. And Paul was saying to them and scripture is saying to us that if we will focus on knowing and following the will of God, then everything else kind of falls into place. Okay, so how do we know what God's will is? How do we know what God's best is for our lives. Let me give us a couple of uh, theological principles. If you're taking notes, the first is that God's will is more like a playing field than a tightrope. If you can picture any kind of playing field, soccer field, football field, basketball court, it, it, as you picture that, there's all kinds of freedom on how to play the game as long as you are in bounds, as long as you are playing within the field of play. And I would say God's will is the same thing for our lives. He gives us a lot of freedom on how we navigate life, but he does give us some framework. He does give us some boundaries. And these are kind of like the sidelines of the playing field. The first is God's sovereign will. And this can be defined as what God is doing on earth. In other words, God is, he's already up to something on this earth. He already has a mission. And our job, my job, is to join him in the work that he's already doing. God's will for our lives will never be outside of his sovereign will, what he's already trying to accomplish in this world. Uh, Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer that, that before we ask God for our daily bread, that is before we ask God for provision for our lives, our first prayer is, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is, I, I want to align my life with what God is doing before I start making requests about my current day. So that's one side uh, or one of the sidelines, and the other is God's moral will. And God's moral will is what God says in his word. God has clarified, so the, the Bible is probably one of the most clear examples of how God speaks to us. And he's already clarified his desires and his will through his commands and his precepts and his principles that are found in scripture. And what that means for us is that we need to do this careful examination of what scripture says and what our life looks like, and if they are out of alignment, that I align my life with what God says is right and good, and I need to conform myself in that direction. Because again, his will for your life will never contradict what he's already made abundantly clear in Scripture. God's will, God's best for you, will be found in this playing field that's defined by his sovereign will and his moral will. And then he says he gives us all kinds of freedom on how we navigate through this life so long as we can find out what his sovereign will is and what his moral will is. And the more I know the sovereign will of God and the more I align myself with the moral will of God, then the better I will be able to discern the personal will of God. And those are the kinds of things that we want to find out. Like we, I'm making this decision. God, 
what is your personal will for my life? And he says, find these out first, and then I'll start directing your path. And the second theological principle is that God's will is more who than what. God is not as concerned with the individual decisions that we make as he is with the kind of people that we are becoming. So often when we are trying to discern God's will for our lives, we we get hyper-focused on these kinds of, is it left or right? Do I do path A or path B? And the majority of our prayer lives and the pursuit of God's will for our lives is those individual types of questions. And we leave out this foundational truth that God is much more concerned with the development of our character than some of these individual decisions. Romans 8.29 tells us that the primary purpose of God's will in our lives is that we look more and more like Jesus. He wants us to be conformed to the image of his son, that, that our lives are marked by this love for God and, and love for others. And if we will commit to pursuing that kind of life, wherever we are, and with whomever we happen to be around, then we'll find that we have a lot more clarity on some of these decisions that we face. Because the, the truth is that there are lots of jobs that you could pursue, and God is not as concerned about which job that you choose as who you are when you're on the job. Are you a man or a woman of integrity? You could live in lots of different places. And God is not as concerned with where you live, with what kind of influence, what kind of impact are you having in the communities that you're in? Are you pointing people in your community into Jesus? There are a lot of people that you could potentially marry. And Scripture has some guidelines for believers especially on marrying another believer. But that's, a, again, a pretty big pool. And there are lots of people that you could marry, and God is not as concerned specifically with the person that you marry as he is with how do you treat the marriage? Do you honor it? Are you using it for his good and glory? So now with that being said, God does care. He is a personal God. He, he does care about the details of your life and he wants to give some guidance if we will come to him. And he wants to give us wisdom and discernment when we come to those forks in the road. So if you're facing a big decision, you, if you're like me, you, you may wish that, that God would just open up the heavens and say, hey, Chad, choose this one over here and, I, and answer in this audible voice. And sometimes God gives very specific kinds of answers, um, but a lot of times what he's wanting us to do is just to be patient in seeking his guidance in our lives. So I want to turn our attention to being real practical. I want to give us a series of questions that we can use as we pursue God and try to get some of his wisdom in our lives, that you can put just about any decision that you have coming down your way through this, this grid of questions. And from the beginning, I want to say it's not any one of these, it's the totality of all of these that we need to be able to use to be able to discern God's will for our lives so we can find and follow God's will. The first question is, am I surrendered? As you seek God's will, it's important that you are fully surrendered to his guiding. That, that, you, that is, that you are fully open to whatever God wants to do. If you've already decided what you want to do and you're just asking God for his approval, then you're not really seeking God's will. We have to acknowledge that, that we bring some emotions to the table. We have some biases that we bring, some desires and dreams, and that can really muddle our ability to hear from God. In James 1, uh, James, Jesus' brother, says this. He says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will, not rebu- he will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed 
by the wind. In other words, James is saying, if you really want God's wisdom, if you want God to guide your steps, then you have to be completely open to God pointing your life in any direction. It's this heart of submission where I take my mission for my life or my plans for my life and I submit them, I put them under God's mission and God's plan for my life. I think sometimes the reason why we don't hear from God is because if we're honest, we think that our plans and our mission for our lives are more important than God's mission. And if that's the case, then we won't hear very clearly his voice and his direction in our lives. I think one of the healthiest daily practices that you can do is wake up in the morning and just be completely honest with God and say, Lord, I I know I have some desires for this day or for this decision or for this season. I, I have some ambitions. I have some plans and some dreams. But God, my prayer is not what I want. I, I want what you want. So I surrender my will to your will unconditionally with open hands and a willingness to follow wherever it is that you lead. I want what you want, period. And when your desire to follow God outweighs your desire for a particular outcome, then you are ready to hear from God. So so we begin trying to discern and follow God's will with this surrender. Am I fully surrendered to God and his leading in my life? And then the second question we ask is, what does the Bible say? When you make a decision, it, it should line up with what Scripture says. And at the very least, it should not contradict what God has already said in Scripture. God is not going to lead you to be out of bounds, out of the playing field that's going to contradict what he's already made clear in Scripture. And so if we come to the, to the table and we ask the kinds of questions, that, does the Bible give any direct guidance? Is there a principle? Is there a precept? Is there an example that we can follow? Is there a principle there at place? If there is, then let's follow after that because that can rule out a lot of the choices that we think that we may have to make. Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and it's a light for my path. The Bible can be a light to, to kind of show the way of what your next step should be. And I think it's important for us to know that, that the purpose of the Bible is not like this idea of a verse a day keeps the devil away. It's not meant to be some kind of magical formula. It's meant to be a guide for our lives. God intends for us to read it and to apply it and to be obedient to it. We're to be looking for what needs to be corrected in our lives and actually make the change to align our lives with what he says. And I love this verse because it reminds us that even the smallest bit of light, just a lamp, a single candle, can be enough to guide our steps. And I think for those that are just the very beginning of your understanding and your very beginning of your your spiritual journey, even those with just starting to understand God's word, if we can apply what we, just a little bit that we know, that we can begin to take the right steps on the right path. But the key is to be obedient to what God has already revealed to you. I love uh, Proverbs 4, 18. He says, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter until the full light of day. In other words, as I walk in righteousness, as I walk try to fight, keep my feet on the right path as I walk in obedience to what I already know is right, the path of my life gets brighter over time. 
God rewards our obedience with additional clarity, with additional discernment in choosing the right paths for life until it's almost like the noonday sun. If you want to know God's will for a situation, you have to make sure that you are in the playing field across the board in your life, that you're not out of bounds in some area of your life. Because I think sometimes we come to God asking for guidance in this area of life, but we're disobedient over here in this area of our life. And God says, I'm not going to give you more clarity over here if you're not being obedient over here. So we have to stop whatever we know that we should stop. And we have to start doing whatever it is that God has already revealed to us that we should be doing. And when you do what God has already made clear to you, then he'll begin to open up what that next step needs to be in your life. But if I'm not obedient to what I already know, why would God give me further clarity on the next step that I need to be taking? I think it's important for us to know that God's principles and God's commands in Scripture aren't just these arbitrary, random commands. They actually reveal something about his character and his plan for us. And the more that we walk with him in obedience, the more that we take him at his word and we begin to apply and are obedient to what he says, the more we begin to know about who he is and we can begin to anticipate and know ahead of time what he wants in our lives. Uh, If you've been married for a number of years, you get a glimpse of this in your marriage. Sarah and I have been married for almost 23 years. And at this point in our lives, we can pretty well predict what either one would do in a given situation. And I think the same thing is true in our relationship with God. At the beginning of our relationship with him, we're still getting to know who he is and his word. We need to have people in our lives to kind of point us to to particular passages that would apply to our lives. But as we walk in a relationship with him, as we get to know his word, and as we are obedient to what it says, we can get to a place because of our understanding of his character that, that we know intuitively where it is that he wants our next steps to be. So the first is that we come with a heart that's surrendered. The second is we examine what scripture says and see where it is that we need to align ourselves. And the third question we need to ask is, Have I sought godly counsel? We definitely need to spend some time with God and his word. That's the second point. But then we need to spend some time and we need to surround ourselves with folks that know us and that also know God's word and and can see and hear from us where we want to go and they know how we're wired, but they also know what God's word says. That's why you hear us talk all the time about the importance of being in group. That's why small groups are so vital. We want to Velcro your life to other believers who who can pray for you, who who can look into Scripture for you and and try to sense God's leading in a certain way. Proverbs 15, 22 says, Plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Now, Now, you don't have to follow everybody's advice, but it's another perspective and another way in which God can lead. I know when, when Sarah and I were um, trying to discern God's will for my next career move, or for my career move from engineering in, uh, to be, becoming a pastor, I, we got to this decision point, and I'm like, I was just filled with all kinds of doubt and insecurities and uncertainties, and it was not clear to me. I could talk myself out of it pretty quickly. But there were others that were in our lives that, that were praying with us, that were seeking after God's will for us, and they were encouraging us because they, they sensed that God was, in fact, opening up a door. And I can tell you that that was a big part of us discerning whether that was a step that we needed to take before we took that step of faith. 
But again, it, it's one of these things where you're taking all of these things together. We were examining scripture. We were surrendered, and there were still these uncertainties. But having these people around me, this godly counsel around me, was almost a tipping point in some ways for us to make sure that we knew that we were following after God's will. So the fourth question is, do I sense God's peace? God is not just guiding you from outside of you. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, if you have entrusted your life to Jesus, then God gives us the the gift of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And when we honestly seek his will, there will will be this inner prompting of the Holy Spirit that that gives us a good sense of God's leading in our lives. It'll feel like a a silent yes or, or a silent no I love how Isaiah says it. He says, whether you turn to the right or the left, those are the kinds of questions that that we're trying to figure out. Your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Uh, As you come to God looking for his guidance, you'll start to feel the silent yes or the silent no, the silent yes that feels like a peace from God, like a rest, like like a joy. God's inner assurance will act as like this umpire on your heart and what will guide your steps. And although peace, although peace is an emotion and we can't always just trust our emotions, I have found that God's peace is really reassuring in those times when I'm trying to discern his will for my life, this deep-seated God-given peace that comes. And it's almost like God comes alongside of us and says, hey, listen, I, I'm in this decision. You're on the right path. Press on. Trust me through this. Again, maybe a little bit of a word of caution here, because I I know there have been a lot of times as a pastor where where people have come to me and they've used this idea of God's peace almost as an excuse, even though the decision that they're trying to make clearly contradicts what Scripture says. And they'll come and say, but God has given me this sense of peace. I need to move in with him, or I need to divorce this person. And 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 I caution them at times, like, I, I don't, I know God's not leading you there because that's not what his word says. So just another word of caution and another thing that all of these kind of come together. This this doesn't just stand on its own, but it is another assurance of God's leading in our lives. And then fifthly, the question is, what's my next step? If you are at a crossroads or if you're you're at a a major decision-making point, I would recommend that, that you keep a journal of some kind to just capture what it is that God is teaching you as you work your way through those other four tests. Is he leading you in a certain direction through his peace and through other people, what other people are saying, through what scripture says? Are, are you really surrendered? Or are you still wrestling with, is it my will or God's will? But I think as you start writing down and seeing how these things may be coming together, then you can discern God's will. But once you discern God's will, the next step is to actually do what it is that he's called you to do. If all are pointing in the same direction, then you need to prayerfully move forward, trusting God that he's going to continue to guide you as you take these progressive steps, these next steps of faith. And it's great when all the signs point in that direction and it becomes crystal clear, but that's not always the case. Uh, Even after prayer and Bible study and seeking wise counsel, you, you may still not have an obvious next direction. But usually one option will stand out above the others. Even if there are some lingering fears, even if there are some some lingering doubts that that may cause some hesitation. But I would say that that is the norm in life. And that is honestly the norm of what it means to follow after Jesus. 
when we follow Jesus, we will often find ourselves living off the map. Like there's not a clear next step for us, but that's what faith is. Faith is trusting him enough to follow him, even when we find ourselves in places of uncertainty, even when we don't really know what the end of that path might look like. Proverbs 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Uh, The Lord has promised that he will guide those who devote themselves to him, who, who are committed to persevering and chasing after his will for our lives. He never promises a roadmap. Never promised to say, hey, here's all the decisions that you need to make to make your way through life successfully. He never promises a roadmap, but he did promise to take our hand and to walk with us. The good news is that God already knows the best for you. And the good news is that you can discern it. If you are available to him, if you are open to his leading in your life, just let him tell you what it is. Make yourself available. And my guess is in a room this size that some, maybe most, are facing some kind of decision. So I want to give us a few minutes of guided prayer where we can actually apply this right now before we head out the door. I want to let, we'll close all our eyes. I want to give us some questions and give some open space for God maybe to, to direct your thoughts right now. Say, Lord, I, I offer this decision to you. God, I, I want to submit my will and my plans to you. Whatever you want to do with it, I will trust you with it. God, would you open up my eyes to, to maybe any hesitations or, or maybe some closed hands or closed fists that I have? But I want to I wanna hear from you, and I know I need to surrender. Take these next few minutes. Go before God and open up your hands. Say, God, I surrender. is there any part of this decision that is out of bounds with what you say in scripture remind me of of any verses or or passages or principles found in scripture that that would apply or God give me an opportunity in the days ahead to study your word and and to invite others into this decision as well Who, who can I invite to pray about this and to give counsel to this decision.
And then, Spirit, would, would you guide me? Would, would you guide me with this silent yes or silent no? Would, would you bring me to a place of peace about this decision? Father, thank you that you are our good and gracious Heavenly Father that knows and cares and wants to lead us to what's best for us. God, help us to, to keep an open heart, to hear from you continually. We can daily wake up and recognize and believe that we can trust you you will lead us to the best life, to the life that you have planned for us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the gift of your spirit. Just give us hearts that are willing to follow wherever it is that you lead. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you guys for coming out. Um, I'll be up front after the service if you, wanna, if you need some additional prayer for something you're going to be deciding in the next few days, few years. Uh, and come back out tonight, 6.30, for a night of worship. We'll see you there.